0: And more specifically, on the biggest ever Australia-US military exercise taking place on our shores. That was confirmed this week when images emerged of a Chinese surveillance ship in the Coral Sea. Today, foreign affairs reporter Stephen Jedgets on what it means at a time when we're trying to patch up our relationship with Beijing and repair trade. Stephen, let's start by talking about these military exercises. They seem like they're a big deal.
1: Yeah, Talisman Sabre has been around for quite some time. I think this is its 10th iteration or something like that, but um, it's big. On Australia's biggest warship, this country's largest ever military drills officially get underway. And this year is apparently the biggest ever. So Mm -hmm. you've got around 13 nations uh, over two weeks participating in what they call high-end multi-domain warfighting across sea, land, air, cyber and space. Mm. 30,000 personnel apparently will be involved this year across multiple states, five I think in total. And you've got forces from around the world. And so our mission is to deter deter our adversaries from doing things that they want to do that perhaps isn't in the best interest of our own national security interests. Now the main participants are of course the US and Australia but we're also drawing in France, Germany, Indonesia, Japan, New Zealand, PNG, South Korea, Tonga, the UK, Canada and I'm sure there are a couple of others I might have forgotten so it's, it's a big deal.
0: Yeah, a lot of countries. And so these are basically war games, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. They're basically practising war. They're practising shooting missiles. They're practising amphibious landings. They're practising fighting together, trying to work out ways to mesh these military systems from all of these different countries uh, so that they function together quite effectively and people can, if needs be, fight together effectively.
0: Mm, I can see Richard miles the defense minister he points out it's a chance for Australian soldiers to engage in high-end war fighting
1: all of this is is actually building uh, muscle memory between our two countries defense forces is building comfort um, and familiarity and obviously not just
0: Stephen, what are we preparing for? Why do all these nations want to be involved? They're a long way from home, aren't they?
1: Yeah, well, some are and some aren't. Obviously, mm-hmm. Australia isn't uh, you know, being held in Australia. This is very much our our backyard. And countries like PNG and Fiji, uh, it's very close to home for them. And it's also, in a, in a way, quite close to home to the US because it's got bases all across the region, mm-hmm. including the Pacific. But it is interesting to note that you do also have, of course, countries like uh, the United Kingdom, which is a long way away. And this year, for the first time, interestingly, Germany as well.
0: We, we share common values
1: with Australia. Australia and other partners in the region, Japan, Singapore, countries I will visit um, the next days. And now, that's interesting because you might well ask, well, what on earth are German forces doing in Australia halfway across the world? And mm. look, I think the answer is, broadly speaking, deterrence. Uh, you know, Australia, the US, friends and allies want to try and build up deterrence by showing that they can operate together effectively effectively. And I think you can hear some of those themes uh, from the, uh, the German Chief of Army, who has been in Australia and spoke to the ABC, uh, and he, he did touch on this idea about uh, Germany wanting to prove itself to be a reliable partner, even though it is a long way from home. We want to send the message that we are interested in what's going on here. We, we want to portray ourselves as a reliable partner.
0: All right, Stephen, but there's one big nation, of course, that wasn't invited, that's China. But what we do know now is that China was snooping around. How do we know that? What's What was it doing?
1: Yeah, well, we know that because the uh, the, the military has told us that. Uh, first of all, to uh, my colleague, Andrew Green, uh, who, who broke the story that, uh, that there'll be two Chinese spy vessels most likely coming down, one off the coast of Queensland to, to snoop, as you say, and another, which hasn't yet been spotted as far as I know, but another that's expected to come off the coast of Northern Territory to monitor the exercises there. Look, Sam, this isn't surprising because this is what nations do. They they snoop on one another. They spy on one another. And China you know, knows that it is in many ways the target of this drill. Mm-hmm. Who's been deterred? Not just China, but primarily China. And so it wants to get as clear an idea as possible about the sort of capabilities that countries like Australia and the US have, and also how effectively they can mesh those uh, forces together. It's nothing illegal in what it's doing. It's got every mm-hmm. right to be there. It's in international waters. But it is, of course, you know, just a, a symbol of the broader distrust that we're seeing between those two blocs. The US-led West of for lack of a better phrase, US and its allies on one hand and China on the other. Also worth noting that uh, Greg Bilton, the the head of operations for Army, was pretty open when he was asked about these ships, saying, yep, uh, we expected the Chinese to come. They've come down, they've got one ship now off the Coral Sea monitoring what we're doing. They've come before, and and look, I'll tell you now, there's one one off the east coast of Australia at the moment. We reached out on Thursday uh, and hailed that vessel in the Coral Sea It'll move down, I expect, and join the exercise or be in the location of the exercise again. Uh, They've done this for a number of years. We're well prepared for it. So, um, yes, it's a symbol of mistrust between uh, the two blocks, but it's also nothing hugely out of the usual.
0: OK, Stephen, so now let's have a look at this from another perspective, from the perspective of the relationship Australia has with China, because that's been really strained, of course, in recent years, hasn't it? The mistrust is deep.
1: Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a torrid few years in the bilateral relationship and things really went south in 2020 in the wake of, of COVID and the outbreak there mm. when the Morrison government essentially called for a, an international investigation right, into sure. the origins. Now, it would seem entirely reasonable and sensible that the world would want to have an independent assessment of how this all occurred so we can learn the lessons and prevent it from happening again. So what Now, Australian that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. There's, there had already been quite a bit of distrust building up, particularly in the wake of the Huawei decision, when Australia mm-hmm. blocked Huawei from, uh, from its 5G network. But uh, it was 2020 that things went south. In the wake of that uh, declaration from the Morrison government, China hit some 20 billion uh, in Australian exports with Mm -hmm. both official and unofficial sanctions. So, this is, of course, the the sanctions we've seen on barley, on wine, on timber, on copper, on Australian coal, on lobsters. Uh, A whole lot of industries were targeted. Now, what we've seen over the last 15 months or so is essentially a slow thaw, or what the government here at Australia prefers to call a stabilisation. High-level contact has resumed and we've begun to see some of these trade restrictions, particularly the informal ones on things like coal, lifted. From today on, the Australian timber is going back to China. So that is an improvement, but the two big imposts that were placed on Australian goods that were done actually formally and which Australia is challenging through the World Trade Organisation, namely on barley and wine, they still remain in place. They haven't yet been taken back. So that's really the next pressure point in that, that relationship.
0: Right. And given there is an obvious deep mistrust on the defence front between Australia and China, is there any guarantee that now those restrictions on barley, on wine, will be lifted?
1: Yeah, that's right. We, we, we simply can't be certain of whether China will actually lift these, uh, these tariffs. Mm-hmm. I think there is a bit of nervousness in Canberra. Everyone is desperately hoping that China does take that step, not just because it'll be good for Australian barley growers, but because it is a necessary and important step in that broader thaw in yeah. the relationship.
0: Yeah, very tricky, rocky road ahead by the sound of it. The Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, he'd said he'd hoped to visit China this year. Is he still going to do that, Stephen?
1: We don't know. Mm. I mean, the most recent signalling from the Prime Minister was that it was probably likely that he would still go. Certainly, the Chinese have been adamant uh, that they expect him to come. I think what's happening here is is a bit of a game of chicken. Australia has made it pretty clear that it doesn't necessarily want Mr Albanese to get on a plane to do the big handshake with Xi Jinping mm. unless China has made more significant concessions, If unless China actually, for example, moves on barley or on wine.
0: Stephen, it's a strange relationship, isn't it, the one we have with China today? On the one hand, we don't trust them on the military front. They've been spying on our military exercises. But then we want to smooth things over on the trade front because that's big money for us and big money for Australian businesses.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the the invidious duality, if you like, of the Australia-China relationship. But the thing we have to remember is that we are not alone in this, right? There are so many countries across the world, in- including many countries that are quite hostile to China, or at least very suspicious of China, who remain often heavily dependent on it for trade. I think the problem is for Australia is that we are more exposed than almost any of those nations to China on a trade front. It remains our largest trading partner. Australia really has struggled Uh, to to try and reach the appropriate balance point with China over the last few years. It's a delicate and fraught process. Now, the, the Labor government clearly feels that the former Liberal government went too hard in baiting China, or at the very least used unnecessarily provocative rhetoric. It believes it can hold fast on those key security questions change tone and bring about a recovery in the economic relationship and stabilise ties more broadly. But the reality is Australia and China have radically divergent interests in the region and a friendlier tone or a more placating, placating tone can go some way towards restoring the relationship, but it can't magically disappear those fundamental differences. They're going to persist.
0: Of course. So what's your prediction, Stephen? What sort of future does this relationship have, do you think? Can it actually be fully mended?
1: I I don't think there is any prospect of it being mended in the sense of it going back to where it was at the high watermark in, say, 2014, when uh, Australia and China struck their so-called Comprehensive Strategic Partnership, Mm -hmm. um, which looks neither strategic nor comprehensive Right. right at this moment, or at least not for the last three years. There's no way we can go back to that era because, because the world has changed. China's posture, its foreign policy posture, its trade posture has changed. The United States, our principal security ally, is now much more suspicious of China and taking almost unprecedented measures to try and block it off from high-end technology. And, of course, the prospect of a Chinese invasion in Taiwan is a live one. At best, I think we are going to keep on muddling through with China. The reality is the relationship has changed. It can be managed, but it's difficult work, and it remains hostage to larger events and larger forces. And that brute reality simply isn't going to change.
0: Stephen Jedgets is the ABC's foreign affairs reporter. The military exercises will continue until August the 4th. This episode was produced by Veronica App App, Nell Whitehead and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on the ABC Listen app. Thanks for listening.